Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We have got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. We got NFL predictions week five. Uh, you know I'm going to lead the show off with what, what the heck happened last night in Denver, Colorado. I'll talk about that, of course, to start the show. Also going to talk some Zion Williamson, who you know I loved coming out of Duke. Coming out of that 2019 draft, I still believe in him. I think he is due for a huge, huge fourth season in the NBA. I'll talk about that. As well as as well as the kid from France. I hope I am pronouncing his name correctly. If not, I better learn to. Victor Wimbanyana. I hope I predict, uh, pronounced that correctly. This dude is going to be a Hall of Famer as long as he doesn't get hurt. I'm going to talk about him later in the show. And of course, I got to touch on the video that came out uh, about the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole fight. We now have actual video evidence. I got a strong, strong reaction to that, sort of playing off how I talked about it yesterday. Uh, And we got a lot to talk about. Before we get into any sports, though, I think it is worth mentioning that Carving It Up now has merch. We got Carving Up merch. We got hats, t-shirts, hoodies, the whole bit. So if, if you want to go, you know, get any of this stuff, if you, I, I put the, the link on my Instagram. I'll, I'll work on putting it on, on Twitter and YouTube and, and other platforms. But you want to go check out some Carving It Up merch, man, go to my Instagram stories right now. Click the link. Uh, if you can't, you know, if you don't have Instagram or something else, I'll get it on Twitter. I'll get it on other platforms uh, so you guys can access that. So listen, rep the brand, rep Carving It Up Live. Of course, rep at the grid. You can get grid merch, get some merch for my guys, uh, Barry and and Patrick, and Ryan, and and Alfred, and everybody is part of the grid. So uh, very, very excited to be a part of this. Okay, but let's let, let's, let's take a deep breath for this one. Uh, because, man, I'm, I'm about to say something on the show that in my wildest dreams, I never thought I would say. Here goes. I'm selling my stock on Russell Wilson. I'm out. Not only was that performance bad, it was darn near unacceptable. You're at home. We can blame Nathaniel Hackett all we want. He deserved a lot of blame. To me, the majority of the blame for the first four games of this season. 
two and two. Lucky it'd be two and two at that point. Should have been one and three because I should have lost to San Francisco if not for Jimmy Garoppolo. Bad clock management. You know, zero creativity offensively. Sticking with Melvin Gordon, who still cannot hang onto the football over Javante Williams until he got hurt. You have the end of the Seattle game. Whether you agree they should now, now you know, looking back, hindsight is very twenty, very much twenty twenty. If you think they should have kicked the field goal, if they should have went for it, whatever the case may be, the bad clock management leading up to that point was unacceptable on the part of Nathaniel Hackett. Really, the only constant for the Broncos this year is. Their defense has been phenomenal, and it was last night. Now, albeit, that is a Colts offense that is struggling mightily. Matt Ryan did not play well whatsoever. Again, you won the game, you scored 12 points. Okay, the offense deserves just about as much credit as, as, as or about as little credit as, as, as a team could get for a victory. It's a shame that a team had to win that game last night. It's one of the worst football games. I'm not going to come out and say it's the worst game I've ever watched. It's one of the worst, though. I can't think of a worse one right now at the top of my head. Point being, Broncos defense has been great. But last night, a lot of pressure. You're at home. You are facing an inferior football team. I don't think any of us think Matt Ryan's better than Russell Wilson. Nobody think, you know, nobody thinks that the Colts have a better defense, especially without Shaq Leonard, than the Denver Broncos do. Jonathan Taylor is out. The Colts wide receiving unit. It's not very good. As a matter of fact, that that Heinz kid, God bless him. I hope he's okay. Uh, had that scary, scary concussion. I don't know what it is about Thursday night games and concussions, man. But hopefully he's all right. They had to go to their third string running back, a former Bronco, Philip Lindsay, who the Broncos cut a few years ago. And, and they won the game. And number one, and it is not even a discussion. Number one in the blame list is one Russell Wilson. You guys know I've been a massive Russell Wilson fan really since he came into the league in 2012. Loved the way he carried himself. Loved his, especially early in his career, really showed a, a great clutch gene. You know, his numbers never really blow, blew you away, but he'd win big games against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and, and out dueling some of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. Got Seattle to back-to-back Super Bowls, and even when they weren't making the Super Bowl, he was the MVP discussion and putting up big numbers and winning divisions and playoff games despite not having a great offensive line. And at the end in Seattle, not a great defense. And he comes to Denver. I said, man. As a matter of fact, I was an idiot to predict the Broncos to win the Super Bowl a month ago. That doesn't look too good today. But you come to Denver. I felt like he got an upgrade at wide receiver. I kind of still feel that way. You got a better running game than what you left in Seattle. Not that the Seahawks don't have a better running game now, but what Russell left. You have a, without a question, a significantly better defense in Denver than you had in Seattle. Yeah, division's tougher, but today you look around the AFC West, Kansas City's Kansas City, man. They're not going anywhere. Okay, I tried to warn you all about the Chiefs for the season. They weren't going anywhere. Not with Mahomes and Andy Reid. The Chargers, I told you, I'd be disappointing. And the Raiders... One and three. It's not like the division has been a, a gauntlet outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. And in what is probably the easiest part of the Broncos schedule, Seattle, Houston, Niners, that's a tough one, Raiders, Colts. Russell has not played well in any of those games. He played fine against the Raiders. 
But overall, in these four games, these five games now, he has been absolutely atrocious. He has not been accurate. He's not run the ball well, which we were accustomed accustomed to him doing so well in Seattle. And listen, I was on Team Russell when it came to forcing his way out of Seattle to a seemingly better situation. But when for a year before the trade, you are very public. You don't like how the Seahawks are doing business. Okay, that, that's fine. That's fine. You feel like, let, let, let Russ cook, right? He can be successful anywhere. It's just the Seahawks won't let him because of their more conservative offensive philosophy. Man, I, you know, I buy that. I mean, look at some of the numbers this guy's put up. With a conservative system. Okay, so he goes to Denver. Upgraded all the positions I mentioned. Not only are they two and three, Russell has yet to play well. He's got a career low in completion percentage. The Broncos have scored three touchdowns in the red zone. Three. They're the worst red zone team in the NFL. And in, in their games, in their five games this season, the Denver Broncos have scored 17, 16, 11, 23, 9. They have one game cracking 20 points. They had another game where they cracked 10 points because of a safety. Another game last night where not only they failed to score a touchdown, they failed to break double digits. We saw that play at the end of the game, the fourth of one. By the way, got no problem with Nathaniel Hackett going for it. I've been very critical of Nathaniel Hackett, rightfully so. But in that game, it's 12-9. to nine. You're down inside the five-yard line. You put together a pretty good drive. Yeah, I'm good with them going for it. Absolutely. I'm even fine with them throwing it there. It's fourth down. If it's third down, you run the football. Fourth down, I got no issue with it. Slot receiver Hamler is wide open. And Russell, I thought initially, when you look at the film of it, the last play, does a good job of looking in the direction of Sutton, Corlin Sutton, and gets the defender to bite all the, you know, the Colts secondary. They play man-to-man coverage to bite on that side of the field because they're thinking, oh, Cortland Sutton's the best receiver in the field. He's going to go to him. But the truly elite quarterbacks are going to look at Sutton, look the defender off, hit the slot receiver, touchdown, game's over, all's forgiven. But he didn't. And to make matters worse, K.J. Hamler, back of the end zone, what does he do? He takes his helmet off, slams on the turf, is as angry as he could be. I don't know. Do you think Mike Evans is doing that in Tampa with Tom Brady? Do you think Travis Kelsey is doing that with Patrick Mahomes? Do you think that Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis, you think they're doing that in Buffalo for Josh Allen? I mean, we've had plenty of quarterbacks. That, I mean, heck, Justin Fields receivers. Justin Fields has had some stinkers. And I love Justin Fields, but none of his receivers have kind of shown him up in a way. Why is that? Because these Broncos teammates were like, oh, here comes Russell Wilson. Oh, man, he's won a Super Bowl. He's been to another. Oh, man, he, he he's talking about, you know, let Russ cook and Broncos country. Let's ride. Here we go. Man, we about to win the Super Bowl. And he's been worse than Geno Smith. Does that mean Geno Smith's better? No. But he's been absolutely atrocious. And to make matters worse, after the game, it, it's, starting to, it's starting to get my nerves a little bit with Russell Wilson. It's like it's like he it's it's like the corniness is getting worse and worse. So he sh- showed up to training camp wearing his own jersey. It's a little weird, but okay. And then he got the Broncos country, let's ride, sort of catchphrase. And then after the game, after the loss, here's what he said. 
Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Broncos country. Bro, you lost. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. You lost the game. You played awful. You scored nine points. It's starting to feel a little inauthentic on the part of one Russell Wilson. I mean, I heard Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football this morning say something very revealing about Russell Wilson. Kyle Brandt, you know, Good Morning Football, great show on the NFL Network. And he was talking about how he did the NFL honors this past year in Los Angeles, right, for the Bengals-Rams Super Bowl. And it's it's based, it might it's like the Oscars meets the NFL. It's like it's kind of like a mix between the two, right? It's at the Dolby Theater uh, in uh, in in L. I think it's the Dolby Theater, if I'm not mistaken, in Los Angeles, right? You got the the NFL players and their Sunday best, right, with their girlfriends or wives and family. It's you know it's a great time. You usually have a like a Keegan Michael Key or a Steve Harvey host the show, and there's some jokes and it's fun and people win awards. You know the MVP and the Man of the Year's present that night. It's a big night for the NFL. And so everybody's, you know, ready to go. And Kyle Brandt was talking about how, you know, he saw Travis Kelsey and, you know, hey, what's up, man? How you doing, Kyle? Travis Kelsey's cool with him. Aaron Rodgers, hey, what's up, Kyle? How you doing? Aaron Rodgers, cool with him. Russell Wilson and Sierra walk by and essentially say, talk to the hand. We're not doing interviews. And Kyle Brandt said it felt like he it felt like they were acting as if they were Beyonce and Jay-Z. And when you have, and I started to get a little suspicious about this after the Seattle game, after the the Monday night loss in week one. Seattle Seahawks teammates. Two guys for the Seattle Seahawks went up to Russell Wilson. It was DK Metcalf, and I think a defensive player went up to Russell. You have Richard Sherman, even last night in the Amazon broadcast, taking shot after shot after shot at Russell Wilson. K.J. Wright doing the same. It's like, okay. I've heard former Aaron Rodgers teammates take shots at him, most notably Greg Jennings. It's as if these guys don't even, it's like they they hated playing for him. It's like I'm hearing the same things about Russell Wilson that I heard about Aaron Rodgers, and I rip Aaron Rodgers on the show for his leadership or lack thereof. Are we sure that's not the case with Russell Wilson, but he's just putting on a public face? And even if he were, could you at least back it up on the field occasionally? Could you not throw awful interceptions? Could you not throw passes that, you know, your receivers are having to fight just to make sure it falls incomplete and doesn't get picked off? I mean, that red zone interception to Stephon Gilmore, what is Russell looking at? He seems timid in the pocket. He's not moving around as well as he used to. He's not throwing the ball deep as much as he used to. Some of this is coaching. But him missing those reads and those throws, that's not Nathaniel Hackett's fault. That's Russell's fault. That's on Russell Wilson. You can't blame that on the coach. We can blame him all we want, and he deserves a lot of it. And I don't think he is an NFL head coach. I think he should be fired either midseason or at the end of the season. But the Denver Broncos, it feels like, and I never thought I'd be saying this before the season, they feel trapped. They feel trapped in what is becoming one of the worst contracts in professional sports in Russell Wilson. They are trapped with a quarterback who feels as inauthentic as they come. I criticize Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Aaron's Aaron. Okay, he's going he's gonna to win his MVPs, gag in the playoffs at home, and he's going to disappear, do his ayahuasca with Blue of Earth, and come back, wash, rinse, repeat. We know Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I've never criticized him for being, you know, something that he's not, right? 
Russell, maybe a little something to that. Let's ride. Let's ride. Nobody wants to hear that. Okay, enough with the let's ride BS. You play like garbage. You looked awful. Your team, your offense looks gar- like nine points. Nine points. I mean, come on. At home, I get. I backed off of Denver as a Super Bowl contender a long time ago. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to live with the fact that I predicted them to beat uh, the uh, the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, not the Buffalo Bills. To beat the um, uh, Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl in Arizona. My bad. But this feels a little inauthentic. <laughs> Barry Grant Jr. says, uh, love the hat, boss man. LOL. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Got to rep the grid. Got to rep the grid. And he says, uh, I think Seattle was trying to get rid of him instead of him leaving. Wilson's issue with his teammates in Seattle was partly Pete Carroll's fault, but his fakeness was what really was the issue. He's not genuine, and it shows. Yep. It's starting to feel like. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Yeah, like you said, I think Barry put it well. It's starting to feel like Seattle was almost shipping him off. It, it feels like the Seahawks not only won the trade, but fleeced the Broncos. Who would have ever thought that in March? I certainly wouldn't have. But today, I've officially sold my stock on Russell Wilson. It's not selling for very much, obviously. You know, it's 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 a very low price. Whoever wants it can have it, because I'm out. This is it's, it, that it's just there's no excuse. You, you you can't you can't defend this. There is not there. It is you can't defend the indefensible. I mean, it 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 feels inauthentic. It feels corny. And then on the field, he he's inaccurate. He's immobile. You see, you know that meme where he's on the sideline drinking Gatorade, and Melvin Gordon's looking at him a certain type of way. They look him. They looking at the great leaders in this game that like that. They looking at Brady like that. They looking at Mahomes and Allen and all these guys. No, okay. People have ripped Dak Prescott and forty million dollars. He's not worth this. Dan done this. Hat won the playoffs. Have you ever seen a teammate look at Dak, Dak like that? Dez, but Dez just wants the ball. Like, De- it doesn't matter if that was Dak, Romo, anybody. Dez wants the football. I've always defended Dez in that regard. Dez was really the only teammate of Dak Prescott's that any, ever had any issues with him. But, and that didn't have anything to do with Dak personally or as a leader. That was just about, hey, give me the football. That didn't have anything to do with Dak Prescott's leadership. You ever seen anybody look like at Dak? You know, you've seen issues like this with Kirk Cousins. Remember Justin Jefferson a couple years ago yelling the expletive at Kirk when he missed him wide open in the end zone? Any receiver is not just going to show up their quarterback unless there's something deeper there. So I don't think it's just that he missed him for what would have been the game-winning touchdown to win the game in OT. It goes deeper. The Broncos are a train wreck right now. But, hey, listen, we, we, all, make, we all make mistakes, okay? You know, there, there's times got to come on the show and gloat. You know, like how, uh, you know, the Patriots have 
might be, dare I say, might be just fine with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. I'm just saying more than Mac Jones. There's, there's times where you got to come on and admit that I'm dead wrong. Like I did with Joe Burrow on the show a year ago. There's times with Sean got a gloat, like when my Warriors won the championship in 2022, which of course I'm going to talk about the Warriors in the next segment. There's days like today, man. I don't, I really don't think I always said my Joe Burrow take going into that 2020 draft was easily the most wrong I've ever been on something. This takes the cake. This steals it. This, this, this because even some of the things I said about Burrow ended up being true about offensive line hasn't been that good. You know, his arms still, you know, his arm strength is, it's good, but it doesn't blow you away. There's nothing I got right about the Bronx. I got the defense right, but everybody knew the defense was good. And Barry says, I will report this page if you throw, if you throw shade at Mac Daddy. Okay, I mean, listen, there's, I said, I Barry, I, I, and to everybody out there, I said this two months ago. I, I, even, I put the clip all over social media. I said, I'm not going to be as hard on Mac Jones this season as last year because of the complete ineptitude of the New England Patriots offensively from their weapons to their offensive line to the running game to having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, neither of them offensive coaches, calling the offensive plays. Like I'm like, I can't be brutal on Mac Jones. Again, I think he is a, a painfully limited quarterback. I think he's a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to be still be honest about Mac Jones. I'm just not going to be brutal on him if he has bad games. Like that, you know, I, I got to keep it real on, on my athletes and I got to keep it real on people like Russell Wilson. But I guess, listen, the Lakers, I saw a meme uh, earlier this morning, the Lakers and the Broncos can both shake hands that they should not have traded for Russell, whose last name started with a W. Okay. Lakers definitely regret the rust trade and the Broncos regret the rust trade. My goodness. It's bad. Did not, if it could have gotten bad, I never thought it could have gotten this bad. Moving to the NBA with a situation that is not great. That is my Golden State Warriors. And a lot's being made now of the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole issue. Okay? Because TMZ obtained the footage of, of the actual thing. Not shown on this show. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't able to get it on here. There's some issues with that. But TMZ, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video. TMZ put out the video of Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in practice. Essentially, I'll describe it to you the best way I can. Okay, Jordan Poole standing on uh, the baseline, Draymond kind of near the sideline. I don't know if any words were exchanged before or during the start of the video, but Draymond's kind of walk around a, bit, a little bit, and then he starts to walk towards Poole. Looks like he probably said something. Jordan didn't respond. Draymond kind of goes chest to chest with Poole. Poole shoves Draymond, and then Draymond lays, you know, the punch that's being talked about, uh, you know, around the basketball world right now. And it was... He landed it clearly, but Jordan Poole thankfully was not injured. He could have broke his jaw, uh, you know, as, as strong as Draymond is and as well as he connected on that punch. But of course, you know, they got everybody got broken up and reportedly Draymond apologized to Poole that day. He apologized to the Warriors the next day. And Jordan Poole in a video that was shown as well, that same practice, that same day after practice was over, was seen getting shots up, laughing, smiling. So he was cool. Um, here's, here's sort of my take on this now that the videos come out. First of all, why did the video get out? That's my question. Who in the Warriors organization leaked this? And um, not surprisingly, Ramona Shelburne, who's a, a great reporter, you know, she came out and said, okay, the Warriors are going to basically use every, every measure 
that they can legally to see who leaked this video to TMZ. You know, who who put this out there? Okay, because this is this is practice. It's kind of code. Like what happens in practice stays in practice. So whoever le- whoever leaked this needs to lose their job because that's uncalled for. As for the fight itself, as for the fight itself, like I said in yesterday's show, Draymond should be punished for punching Jordan Poole. He should be. You, you can't just get away with punching a teammate in practice, okay? You can't. I think the Warriors have handled this about as well as you could. Nobody, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, none of those three have condoned what Draymond did. They've all defended Jordan Poole after a report from Chris Haynes came out saying he's acting kind of cocky and you know he's, he's kind of changed now that he knows he's going to get a lot of money this offseason. All three of them, Myers, Kerr, Curry, they all came out and said that is total BS. He is, you know, he's he's the same Jordan Poole he was last year. That's that has nothing to do with what happened, you know, in the altercation. But my biggest problem is this. My biggest problem is this. First of all, that people are acting shocked by this. People are acting shocked by this because there was a video. Mike, the the everybody pointed back to Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr again. Ironically, now the coach of the Warriors. There's a lot of parallels between Steve Kerr with the Bulls and Warriors. Anyways, Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr, and I think it was '96. If I'm not, I think it was '96, coming off the '72 win season. We would have had a bigger reaction to that had there been a video. Instead, ah, oh, lives in lives in infamy. All right, it's 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 it's. You know, it's Michael Jordan putting Steve Kerr in his place and showing him who the leader of the Chicago Bulls is, yada, 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 yada. But Draymond Green does different. Some people like Bobby Portis point out, hey, time out, wait a minute. I punched Miritich, former Bulls player, in practice. I got an eight-game suspension. Yeah, that's because Nikola, uh, I think Nikola Miritich is, is his name. That's because Nikola Maricic broke his jaw, okay? Like, to me, the ramifications do have something to do with, or not the ramifications, the the outcome has something to do with the ramifications. If Jordan Poole had been seriously hurt, yes, suspend Draymond Green some games. Like, I think that has something to do with it. But something that I think is interesting with this whole scenario is people... Just come, you got Kendrick Perkins, you got Stacks, Steven Jackson, who I have the utmost respect for, right? Coming out, dissing Draymond, talking about, you know, you can't do this. I agree, you can't punch a teammate in practice. But you're telling me this still happens all the time at other NBA practices? Come on. You're, you're telling me that this is an isolated incident. Not with Draymond Green, with the NBA, with sports. And it happens. Tempers flared. You got two competitive guys, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. I don't know if Poole said something about Draymond. I mean, there, there, something happened, not ex- excuse me, what Draymond did. Something happened between one or the other or both that started that. Because Draymond's, nobody's going to go punching somebody for no reason. But come on now. We're, we're acting like, oh, is this going to impact the Golden State Warriors? Folks, we had a much worse incident than this four years ago in Los Angeles, California. Okay, the date was November 12th, 2018, at what used to be called, should still be called, but it's not, the Staples Center. Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Clippers. End of the game, situation, tie game, five seconds left. Kevin Durant's asking for the ball. Draymond is giving it to him. He's trying to push up the floor, turns the ball over, overtime. 
We I mean, know what happened. Draymond, KD, they're going back and forth. Warriors end up losing the game. And after the game, Draymond's calling KD the B word over and over and over and says the infamous line, we don't need you. We won without you. Leave. What happened after that? <laughs> Despite that, along with numerous, I don't have time to get in the show, numerous other issues with the Warriors that season. They still made it to the NBA Finals. And if not for an injury to Kevin Durant and an injury to Klay Thompson, I think we all believe they would have beaten the Raptors in the Finals. What has also happened? KD, Draymond, they're bros now. Kevin Durant was Draymond's first uh, interview on his podcast. They played on Team USA together. They celebrated together winning gold medal. They sat next to each other on the Team USA bus after the gold medal game. They're cool now. You know me, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole can't work things out? Because if I know anything about Poole and Durant, Durant's a lot more sensitive than Poole. And they still, they're still cool. They, 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 they still got over this. They still bros. Draymond and Poole actually had an incident last year during a game where they were going chest to chest, getting up in each other's face. And by the end of the game, nobody even remembered it. It happens, man. It crossed the line. But it happens. And the fact that people are like, oh, is this going to impact the Warriors season? Stop. No, it's not. Adam Silver can't suspend Draymond Green because if, if something, it's kind of like I what I talked about and Aaron Donald got in that fight against the Bengals at that, during that training camp where he was whacking everybody with the helmets. That's up to the Rams. That's not up to the NFL. Goodell cannot suspend Aaron Donald. The, only the Rams can. Similarly, Adam Silver can't suspend Draymond Green. Only the Warriors can. So Draymond Green, he has apologized to Poole. If he, needs, if he feels he needs to come out with a statement, come out with a statement. You know, my actions were inexcusable. I shouldn't have punched Jordan Poole in practice. My emotions got the best of me. It happens. But this is not going to be a major story once the season starts. It's not. So the fact that people are, again, we've got video now. We got video now. Cool. Again, this, this kind of thing with good teams happens all the time. Now, Draymond actually talked about this two years ago during the bubble. There was an issue. Marcus Smart got into an altercation with a teammate. I don't know if it was Jalen Brown or somebody else on the Celtics during a series against the Toronto Raptors. Or I'm sorry, no, against the uh, might have been against the Miami Heat in the bubble. And Draymond was on inside the NBA with Ernie and the guys and said, if if you if you're not so angry about a loss to the point of fighting. You don't you don't care about the game. You you don't really want to win. Not saying you got to fight after every loss, but if you don't feel like you could fight somebody, including a teammate, do you really care that much? So again, it's 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 nuts. And, and Barry's in the comments. He says, "I'm with us, Bryson. Draymond is a nut, but at the end of the day, it's men with egos and machismo and tempers are what they are. Society is different, so it's now frowned upon and more overblown. It's silly." Thank you. I mean, you don't think this happened, again, happened with the Bulls. You don't think this happened with the Shaq, Kobe, Lakers. You don't think there was the occasional close-to altercation between Shaq and Kobe. You don't think there was tempers flaring with the 80s Celtics and the Lakers and, you know, some of those 70s uh, uh, Lakers and 76ers team. 
Like, <laughs> again, what you see on the surface is not always the case. There's stuff behind the scenes that we have no idea that happens. Again, I, like I read a book talking about that that last season KD was in Golden State, the one where the season where Draymond called him the B word. That was like the third worst thing that happened that season for the Warriors. It was chaos in that locker room. They still made it to the NBA Finals with numerous injuries. This, this is not something abnormal in sports. This happens in baseball, football, basketball. We know it happens in hockey because we see it more in hockey. Man, this happens. Like Barry said, like, like I'm trying to convey. Tempers flare. The emotions got the best of pool, and it definitely got the, the best of Draymond Green. Stop overblowing this into something that it's not. Draymond Green does not hate Jordan Poole, nor vice versa. This had zero to do with the upcoming summer of 2023 when they can both get max contracts. It's practice. I mean, to quote the great Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice, man. We ain't talking about the game. Stop overreacting, folks. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, there's... Just checking my Twitter. Uh, Adam Schefter put out a tweet talking about the players that are out Sunday. Uh, let's see. Dak Prescott, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Tua, Tyrod Taylor, Dawson Knox, Poyer. Who else we got? Kyle Pitts, Cameron Brait, Rashad Bateman. So some notable players out. There's a couple kickers out. Jake Elliott and Matt Prater. And we know like that's that's a lot more significant than people give it credit for. Um, you know, you you need these guys to be healthy. But I'm telling you something. I want to hope, I hope I'm predicting, keep saying predicting. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And if I'm not, I need to. That kid from France, Victor Wimbanyama. I ain't never seen nothing like this kid. I thought LeBron James put it perfectly about him. He said, you know, LeBron was talking about, you know, we see a lot of these tall kids who are talented. They say that they're, we say, oh, they're a unicorn, right? Because we've never, nobody's ever seen a unicorn. So it's like, it's something we ain't never seen before. LeBron's like, he's not a unicorn. He's an alien. Like, 7'4". <laughs> I mean, this I can't believe I'm saying this. 7'4". Can shoot well handles the ball, and moves like a small forward, is a shot blocker, already has an NBA body. He could probably put on a little more muscle, but that's that's typical for 18-year-old kids. I'm telling you, this dude, the biggest knock on whatever, because if this guy stays healthy, years from now, decades from now, his name will be enshrined in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. I've, I've never seen anything like this kid. So the other night, he made his American debut. He was playing uh, the G League uh, uh, G, G League Ignite team, which produces a lot of NBA players. And he dropped uh, he dropped 37. And then the other night, he dropped 36, 11, 11 uh, rebounds, 4 assists, and blocked 4 shots. When... A lot of us have played NBA 2K. We play NBA 2K. And when we do that create a player thing, 
where you, you create your own player. To the, usually it's my career, even if it's something else. That's what it looks like. Freakishly tall. Moves very well. Move, he's 7'4". He moves like he's 6'6". Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shoots like a, a two guard. Handles the ball like a good small forward. I, I'm telling you. Because I'm about to talk about Zion in the next segment. Like Zion, I was like, oh man. Like this, this kid. Right, he's got the strength. He can score inside. Uh, you know, he's not a great shooter. He could, he could improve that aspect of his game. He really needs to improve the defensive side of the floor. I think even more so. But his athleticism, he can score. You know, as as Kyrie Irving said when he was Uncle Drew. You know, it's it's about getting buckets. You know, the, the late great Bill Russell, rest in peace. You know what he said? He said these young bloods don't understand. It's about getting buckets. Well, Zion gets gets buckets. He got buckets at Duke. Okay. Zion was one of those freakish talents that we've never really quite seen one like him before. Certainly, without a question, 20 years ago, LeBron James. We're broadcasting his high school games on national television. He was called the chosen one by Sports Illustrated. We've never seen a prospect quite like LeBron. If we want to go way back, you know, one of the more you know, tragic stories in the history of sports, Lynn Bias, one of the greatest talents we've ever seen. Ask, ask Coach Mike Krzyzewski about that. He could, he could go on for two hours about that kid. This dude's in that category. Like, <laughs> we haven't played a game yet. The NBA season won't start for another, today's the seventh, so the NBA season won't start for another 11 days. Teams are already talking about tanking. The Jazz, which we knew the Jazz were in rebuild mode to begin with. The Thunder, right? Chet Holmgren's done for the year. You, you got some other picks like... Uh, uh, obviously, Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best player on their team. They got that other kid. His name's escaping me right now. Who had a good season for them last year? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. But uh, that they they drafted last year, who played well for him. Thunder already talking about taking. This is one of those situations where if you don't feel like you can make any sort of run, if you can, if you don't feel like like you might be able to make any significant progress as an organization. Tank. This is a kid worth thanking for. This is this is Andrew Luck. This is Peyton Manning in '98. Like this, this is a dude. You say the heck with this season. We we don't care about this season. We don't care if we go 0 and 82. If it means we land this guy. Now you want to build a culture. You know you you want the coach to come in, establish what you need to do. <sighs> I'm telling you, I'm out of words for this guy. I really, and he played a, a guard. I'm forgetting his name, who played really well as well. I think he had a 30 piece. But Victor Wimbayama, I mean, he's got the name because, like, you know, Giannis is a long name. We call him Giannis. Like, if you say Giannis, people know who you're talking about. This feels like a situation where down the road, we're just going to be calling him Victor. When we say Victor, we know who you're talking about. This dude has the potential. And by the way, something else too. And it's kind of rare. 
not to take shots, not to take any shots at some of the young players nowadays. But it's kind of rare for an 18, 19-year-old kid who's been told he's great his whole life to be this way. Kid is crazy humble. He wants to work. Everybody's telling him, dude, shut it down. Don't play basketball. You don't want to jeopardize your, your health and jeopardize future money down the road. He's like, no, I want to play basketball. That's what that's what won me over with Zion a few years ago. People were saying after he had that freakish injury against North Carolina. Like, dude, like, shut it down. Don't play. He's like, I play basketball. I'm a basketball player. Players want to play. Victor's like, no, I, mean, I, ain't, I ain't sitting. I want to play. I'm a, I'm a basketball player. Not all guys do that. You know, I love. he's on my team. I love him. James Wiseman didn't do that. We've had players in years past just say, I'm not going to risk it. In football, to a certain degree, I get it. It is a punishing game where one play could end your career. Not the same case with basketball. So, man, if it's Utah, whoever it is, who tanks for him, you are getting yourself, knock on what he stays healthy, a future Hall of Famer. Like, I don't see an avenue where this kid fails. I don't. He's got everything. Great on one end, great on the other. He's 7'4", moves well, shoots well, blocks shots, rebounds. You know, yeah, I mean, he had four assists, which is pretty good for a 7'4 guy. It's, what, do you, what do you do to stop this guy? Like, this is a guy who can average 20 points in the NBA right now. I truly believe that. With the way the game is played today, with the number of, of, of threes taken, the way perimeter defense is nowadays, with a lot of teams going with this sort of five-out type styles of offense, with his dominance down low, he could average 20 points in the game in NBA right now. I firmly believe that. And so by next year, he's only 18, so obviously he's going to get better. We are still years away. We may be a decade away from his athletic prime where he's going to put on more muscle, where he's going to adapt to the NBA game, where he's going to adapt to playing against professional basketball or the best professional basketball players, I should say. <laughs> this kid don't have a weakness. A significant weakness, I should say. I mean, we've, we've seen number one picks in the past, like some things scare us about him a little bit. Not with him. I mean, you know, this past year, we, we were talking about, is it going to be uh, Chet Holmgren to go number one? Is it Jabari Smith? Is it going to be Paolo Bancaro? Like, we, it was kind of, it was, I shouldn't say a coin flip, but it was it was between those three. We're like, we're not sure. We got some questions about some of them. Jabari Smith isn't that good defensively. We worry about Chet Holmgren's build. You know, Paolo Bancaro never really, we never ever saw him dominate a college game. Yeah, forget about this kid. Yeah, he's going to be in the NBA for a very long time. If he stays healthy, but, uh, but you know, it's interesting shifting to a guy who I sort of brief, briefly brought up is Zion Williamson. Now Zion is coming off injuries from last year and some that happened the year prior. We know injuries has been the biggest, biggest problem in his career. We've questioned at times his desire to be great, not on the court dude plays his, his butt off, off the court. Or on the court, off the court, you know, we saw put him, him put him put on some weight. You know, did he really improve uh, shooting the basketball? I think he has, but significantly, maybe, maybe not. But I've always made the argument in the show, like when people say, "Oh, the Pelicans made a huge mistake not taking John Moran over Zion Williamson." My response has always been, "Okay, timeout. 
Ja went to a better culture with at the you know at the time. I, and I really like Willie Green with the Pelicans, but today I think the coach of Memphis, uh, Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis Grizzlies head coach. I think he's a better coach today. I think he's proven more, although we're still early, right? He, you know, and John Morant himself, it's not like he's been the healthiest. Like his games played has gone down every single year. Sort of a similar situation with Zion. Leadership intangibles. Does John have it? Does Zion have it? I don't know. I have my doubts for both. But I'm telling y'all right now, about Zion Williamson. Because I saw him the other night uh, play a game against the uh, against the Chicago Bulls. And we saw that that typical Zion walk where he almost kind of like waddles into the arena. I don't know why he walks like that. I don't know if it's, you know, he's, he's, he's such a, a freak athlete. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But Zion Williamson, in 15 minutes, scored 13 points and four for six from the field. And that has always been my thing about Zion is, in today's NBA, you have to be able to shoot the basketball. It's, it's, unless your name is Giannis Antetokounmpo, you cannot be a great player in the NBA without shooting the basketball. Zion is the exception to that rule, along with Giannis. Zion is obviously not Giannis. But he puts up numbers similar to Shaquille O'Neal. When we're talking about dominance in the paint. His offensive dominance has been unlike any we've ever seen. I mean, just a couple of years ago, folks, he averaged 27 a game. Like, talent, drive, coachability, that's not his issue. My only question about the Pelicans this year, this is my only thing. How does Zion and Brandon Ingram work together? Both are all-star caliber players, but both have been at their best when the other's ability is suppressed in a way. Brandon Ingram made his first all-star game. Zion Williamson did not play that season until January, his rookie season, because he was coming off an off-season injury. Likewise, Zion Williamson made an all-star game, actually started in the all-star game in 2021. Brandon Ingram didn't play that well that year. Last year, Zion didn't play the whole year. Brandon Ingram was great. Led the Pelicans to the postseason. Played excellent in that first-round series where the, the Pelicans pushed the one-seed Phoenix Suns to six games. Both are kind of ball-dominant players. They need the ball to be effective. I almost wonder if that can work in the long run. I love where the Pelicans are at right now. Willie Green, I think, is an excellent head coach. They have the leadership of C.J. McCollum. right? They Again, they have Zion. They have Brandon Ingram. Uh, they, they've added guys in, in the draft and in free agency over the past couple of years who really fit what they're trying to do. I just wonder if those two can work together. But Zion Williamson this season, he as long as he's healthy, and again, that's that's kind of the question for him. He'll be an all-star. You could mark that down. He's gonna average 27, 28 points a game. And dare I say, I'm gonna put it out there right now. He's gonna finish top five for MVP. I said it. If this guy plays 70 games, if he can give you, even if he give maybe 65 games, 65, 70 games. Put up 28, 29 a game, which I think is right where, where he'll be at. If he can improve in the defensive side of the ball, which Willie Green is is kind of that's that's kind of his forte. The Pelicans improved a lot on the defensive side of the floor. If he and Brandon Ingram, which this is my biggest question, if they can coexist, 
And if their playing styles can work better, this is a top five MVP candidate. I'm not going to go on and say he wins it, but candidate, yes. I, I think Zion Williams is due for a big year. Um, I, just, I just love what this kid brings to the table. I love his energy, his passion, uh, his drive, his, his, you know, very, his coachability. He's very happy-go-lucky off the court. I love everything about this guy. But uh, also something else going on is the MLB postseason. Thus far, we've had two games played. Uh, we, we got a third one that's in progress right now. The Guardians outlasted the Rays 2-1 to one in Game 1 in Cleveland. I did have the Guardians winning that series, uh, uh, winning that series in three games. I think they'll clinch it on uh, Sunday. You've got the uh, Phillies coming back against the Cardinals. Cardinals got off to that good start, but Phillies got their bats got hot late. They outlasted the Cardinals six to three. I had the Cardinals winning that two to one simply because I trusted the veteran experience of guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt and company, and obviously the legends on the Cardinals, guys like Pujols, Molina, um, and Wainwright. But I, I did feel this was I said yesterday's show, and I was making my predictions. The Phillies-Cardinals series was the one I wavered the most on, the one where I kind of went back and forth. But the Phillies, hey, they're a game away from reaching the division series. We'll see what happens in game two tomorrow. Uh, the Mariners lead the Blue Jays in the bottom of the eighth inning, four to nothing. Looks like they're going to wrap that one up, barring a massive comeback. I had the Mariners upsetting the Blue Jays and advancing to the division series where yeah, they would take on Houston unless Tampa Bay uh, beats the Guardians, which to me, that's that feels like the ALCS. If the Mariners end up advancing to take on the Astros, that feels like the uh, the AL, uh, ALCS to me, even though it's played around earlier. Those are the two best teams in the American League to me, uh, without a question. And then you got the Padres taking on the Mets tonight. Nobody thought the Mets would be in this position. I certainly didn't, but the Mets kind of did Mets things over the weekend against the Atlanta Braves. Braves took the East. Mets still won 100 games. I think they will sweep uh, the New York. I'm sorry, the San Diego Pot Padres tonight and tomorrow advance to the division series to take on the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is unless, of course, the Phillies win. Then in that case, the Mets would play the Braves, which a divisional matchup with kind of big brother, little brother type of type of dynamic there, that would be fun to watch. That would be a great, great series. That feels like a, a four or five gamer right there. But especially the managerial matchup in that in that with, with Brian Snicker and, and, and Buck Showalter, that would be very, very fun. And some great college football this weekend too. You know, I'm repping my balls today, of course, and I'm actually wearing my smoky gray hoodie. My balls gonna be repping their smoky gray uniforms, which look awesome. They've kind of been a kryptonite for us in the past. The last game that my balls played in the smoky grays, I was in attendance with my family at Neyland Stadium. It was a long afternoon in 2017, worst season in ball football history, and we lost that game 41 to nothing to University of Georgia, the eventual SEC champs that season. So hopefully that those those demons don't come back to haunt us. But we got a big game in Baton Rouge tomorrow against uh, the fake Southerner, also known as Brian Kelly, and the LSU Tigers. That game t uh, kicks off at noon Eastern, eleven Central Time in uh, in Louisiana in Baton Rouge, and my balls are favored minus two and a half. That that feels about right. This is kind of a scary game for my balls because I don't trust LSU's offense at all, but. I sort of feel that same way about Tennessee's defense. Tennessee's defense hasn't been all that great, although they do a good job of getting to the quarterback. I think they're top, they're in that upper echelon of teams in the country in terms of quarterback pressures. And as for the secondary, they've kind of been up and down. But I'll tell you this, though, about my offense, led by the man, the myth, the legend, Hendo Cinco, Hendon Hooker. 
telling you, this team can score on any team in college football. And today, I'm not so sure they're not the best team in the SEC East. After Georgia, the way Georgia looked against Missouri, got outplayed for the vast majority of that game. Again, Missouri is not very good, folks. For those of you that don't follow the SEC, Missouri is a bad football team by SEC standards. They should have beaten the Bulldogs. Stetson Bennett is a painfully limited quarterback. That defense is not what it was last year. It can be had. So, I'm just saying, I'm feeling confident. Not by my balls win the SEC. We, we haven't reached Alabama's level yet. And I'm a little concerned about Alabama because of the health of Bryce Young. Um, hopefully, he's able to get better, and we'll see what happens with his recovery from that shoulder injury. But, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to... I don't want to jinx it, man. I'm not going to say it. You know, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. Don't worry, I wasn't going to be saying national championship. We're, we're not there yet. But I'm not jinxing it. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to stop talking about my balls. I don't want to get myself into trouble. I don't, I don't, I don't want to regret anything I say down the road about any, anything involving predictions. But speaking of predictions, that's actually a, a great segue. We got a lot to talk about uh, in regard to uh, predictions because you've got a lot of games this weekend. It, it's like the games get tougher and tougher and tougher uh, to predict. Okay, because you've got some divisional matchups. As a matter of fact, the Sunday night game happens to be a division matchup between Baltimore and Cincinnati. I'll obviously get to that at the end. But this is my first time since week one starting 0-1 uh, in, in my predictions. I don't feel good about that. I made the stupid mistake, the insane mistake, because I have yet to pick against the Broncos this season. That's going to change starting next week. But I picked the Broncos to win last night. They did not, of course. And, and, and that is what it is. But let's go ahead and jump. Well, actually, let me get a drink of water because need to add that energy go. All right, let's get to the predictions. Before we do that, let me check week four. My week four record last week, coming off a second consecutive nine and seven record. Uh, the, the Again, once again, the early window games really hurt me. The afternoon games helped me a lot. And then the Sunday night game between Tampa Bay and, and Kansas City. Thank you very much to the Chiefs and to the 49ers on Monday Night Football for getting me over that 500 record. And then overall, including last night, I am 35-29-1, so hoping to improve upon that. Hoping to have a big week. I had a great week, too. I went 11-5, a couple of pretty good, over 500 weeks, going 9-7 and seven in weeks 3 and 4, hoping to surpass that in week 5. Starting with, we got a second straight week of Sunday morning football. We got the Green Bay Packers as the home team, as the de facto home team, facing the New York Giants. Now, in this game, the Packers are eight points, eight point favorites. I don't like that line at all. If you, uh, it's not if I were a betting man yet, but if I were a betting man, give me, give me the Giants and the points. But I mean, easily, easily, because as I said when I talked about the Packers on Monday's show, I actually uploaded that clip to YouTube today on Carving It Up and on The Grid. Subscribe to both channels. But I talked about the Packers are the Giants with Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, today, I like Brian Dable as a head coach more than I like Matt LaFleur. Name the big win Matt LaFleur has that didn't involve Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind. It don't exist. That's what I'm trying to say. So... Both teams have a very good defense. Both teams get to the quarterback well. Both teams have an excellent secondary. 
Does Jair Alexander come back? That's kind of up in the air for the Packers as of right now. We'll see what his status is down the road in this early morning game. And something else, too, that I think is interesting. You're hearing a lot of Packers players right now talking about... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're not looking forward to playing in London. There's sort of this, this lackadaisical attitude by the Packers. As for the Giants, it's a different story. Right? They feel like, like time out. This is the moment we can make our statement. You know, the Giants and Packers, I've, I talked about Monday, they're 3-1 and one frauds. They are nowhere near championship contenders. Packers like, hey, we've proven that wrong before. Giants like, we have it. Okay, this is our moment to beat the great Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVP, a great Packers defense in London. This is our moment to make a statement. Saquon Barkley is in the running for MVP the way he's playing in terms of his yards from scrimmage. He's leading the league by a mile over Nick Chubb, who's in second. This feels like a game that <laughs> it, it feels like it'll come down to the last minute. Simply because the Packers of Aaron Rodgers and the Giants have an injured Daniel Jones, I will tentatively, I should have made this Bryson's bleak bet, go with the Packers to win this game by a point, 21 to 20. Folks, the Packers barely survived Bailey Zappi at home. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was magnificent in the second half of that game, and the defense could not stop Bailey Zappi. It took a walk-off vintage Mason Crosby field goal to beat a third-string quarterback in your home building. This feels like a one-point win for Green Bay. They are not covering that eight-point spread. Yeah, you know, I probably could have made that if I were a betting man or Bryce's bleak bet. Of course, you know, that's kind of an oxymoron. Probably if I were a betting man, would have been better. Moving on now to the biggest line by far of the week. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Bills in this game are 14-point favorites. The Steelers have never been underdogs by that much in the history of their franchise. I think the closest was like 1968, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what I heard when they were like 13 and a half point favorites. They're basically favorites by two full touchdowns with extra points. uh, If you you add those in there against the Buffalo Bills. Here's what's interesting about this game. So Kenny Pickett is going to make his first start for the Steelers because Mitch Trubisky got benched, obviously, in that game against the Jets. Kenny Pickett came in, made a couple plays, but threw three interceptions. So he's coming in this game at Buffalo. Again, Tredavious White. Still dealing with injuries. Jordan Poyer, he's also dealing with injuries. He's out this week. Micah Hyde, done for the year. So the Bills' weakness of their team, without question, is the secondary. What do we know about the Steelers? What is the strength of that football team? Wide receiver. Especially now that TJ Watt's out, the defensive line is no longer their strength. Wide receiver. You've got Deontay Johnson. You've got Chase Claypool. You've got uh, uh, Pickens. you got Fryermuth. You've got all of these weapons that Kenny Pickett's going to have all game long. The only issue is the offensive line for the Steelers is flat out bad. And the defense for the Bills, the defensive line, front seven more specifically, is bad as well. Bad meaning 
they bad, man. They they get to the quarterback. We saw it that against the Rams and Matthew Stafford. Von Miller and company gave him a very long night on opening night. Here's the thing for Buffalo, though. Here's what's interesting. Next week, I want you to take a guess as to who the Buffalo Bills are playing. I'll, I'll give you just a second. You guessed it. The Kansas City Chiefs. That has been the game that since that beautiful schedule came out in May, that the Bills, they have circled it. They have, they have, you know, put that, they have circled on their calendar. They put it in their phones and their computers. They probably had the date of that game on, uh, you know, in, in the practice facility. They want to get back at Kansas City because they beat them in the AFC Championship game two years ago. And then last year, obviously, in the game of the year at Arrowhead. Broke their hearts. We all know. 13 seconds left. Mahomes drove them into field goal range in less than 13 seconds. And, of course, they ended up winning the game in overtime. This feels like a letdown game for the Bills. At home, big favorites. You're significantly better than Pittsburgh. I don't think they cover the 14-point spread. I think this ends up being a little too close for comfort for Buffalo. But with that said, I've got them winning the game outright 28-24 to over the Steelers. Again, the Steelers late in games, if you include... Again, the Steelers should be 0-4. The backup long snapper for the Bengals really botched the end of that game. Joe Burrow had five turnovers. Like The Steelers should have lost that football game. They did not. They survived. They're not winless. But I think they will... They'll hang in there for a while. They still have some great defensive players, and they will beat the Buffalo Bills 28-24. to uh, Let's see. Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. My guys are in here. They're going the Steelers. Okay. Cowboys Cam Fan going the Steelers. And he, okay, he's uh, not to win, but to beat the spread. Okay, then I agree with you. I agree. 14 points. Man, like that's, that's like best team in the NFL versus worst team in the NFL spread. Pittsburgh's not a great football team by any stretch of the imagination. They're not a bad football team. They got bad units, but they've also got great units, like wide receiver. And I do like Kenny Pickett. Don't love him, but I like him. Moving on now to the next game on this list. You've got the Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. The Browns in this game are favored. I'm sorry, the Chargers in this game are favored minus two and a half. The Browns, obviously, Jacoby Brissett, he's had his moments. They've been not surprisingly to anybody. They've been led offensively by their run game. Miles Garrett is back from injury, which is huge, especially considering for the Chargers, Rashawn Slater, done for the year. Keenan Allen is still out. You, you had uh, that Guyton kid who's hurt. So you're going to have to really rely on guys like Josh Palmer, Mike Williams, and company. This is an interesting one because, again, Nick Boza, I'm not Nick Boza, Joey Boza out for the Chargers. So you're not going to have that pressure off the edge, at least from both edges, to get to Jacoby Brissett. Here's what kind of did it for me. Okay, the Browns are great at controlling the clock. Chargers, not, not as much so. But the two games that the Chargers have lost, their secondaries have been shredded by one Patrick Mahomes and by one Trevor Lawrence. Jacoby Brissett's not going to do that. Okay, the Chargers have struggled a little bit in the secondary, even after adding J.C. Jackson. But this feels like a game that the Browns are going to have to ask Jacoby Brissett to win. I don't think he's capable of doing that. I trust Justin Herbert. It looks like his rib is healing up a little bit. So I will take the Chargers uh, to win this football game outright by a final score of 30-23. to Again, a battle between two, two and two teams. Two, two and two. Yeah. Chargers beat the Browns by a final score of 30-23 to in this football game. We're going to move on now 
To our next game, we've got the Chicago Bears going on the road to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Got a division matchup here. Uh, Vikings in this game, by the way, are favored minus seven and a half. So favored by a little over a touchdown. Interesting stat about the Bears. Interesting stat about one of my favorite young quarterbacks from that 2021 draft, Justin Fields. He has fewer completions this season than Cooper Cup has catches. Matthew Stafford has completed more passes to Cooper Cup than Justin Fields has completed to all of his receivers. That's wild. We know about this Bears offense. It has been flat out atrocious to start the season. You had a a sloppy game, literally, because it was a monsoon coming into Chicago against the 49ers. You had that really... Uh, uh, ugly offensive performance, couldn't score in the red zone against the Packers. Okay, you had that bad performance last week against the Giants, only scoring 12 points in the Meadowlands against, you know, obviously you're going toe-to-toe with Daniel Jones. It's not exactly Joe Montana we're talking about. This Bears offense has been absolutely awful. As for the Minnesota Vikings, they survived by the skin of their teeth last week on the road in London. Okay, Kirk Cousins had that interception. Tyron Matthew made a great play on the football that was more a great play by Matthew than it was a bad throw by Cousins. Okay, Justin Jefferson had his moments. He played well. They ran the football well with Cook, with Madison. And so as the Vikings are continuing to build their offensive identity, as Kirk Cousins is getting more and more comfortable with this Sean McVay-style offense, because we do know, uh, the, the Minnesota does run a similar uh, offense to the Rams because the offensive coordinator came to the Vikings. To me, this is a typical divisional game. It kind of goes back and forth for a while, but I'm going to take the Vikings to pull it out late. I'll go with Minnesota to win 27-13. to 13. Again, is there a little bit of complacency on the part of the Vikings? Maybe because it is the Bears. I don't think it's going to matter that much because the Bears, frankly, are not a very good football team. They've obviously got Roquan Smith defensively, but that's about it. Vikings beat the Bears by a final score of 27-13. to Interesting matchup here. Detroit Lions in Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Now, for the Lions, they've got the best scoring offense in the NFL and the worst scoring defense in the NFL. And they're taking on a Patriots offense that was bad with their starter. Obviously, they're not going to be a whole lot better with their backup. Now they're down to their third string, who is a fourth-round rookie out of college. Is it Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan? I don't know. Or not Michigan. I'm sorry, Kentucky. West Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. I forgot where it was at. Point is, he's a rookie. He's a third-string quarterback behind Mac Jones. Tells you how good Bailey Zappi is. He's fine. He played pretty well last week against Green Bay, but he's obviously got his limitations. Detroit, however, again, bad defense. They made Geno Smith look like the second coming of of Dan Marino the other night. They gave up a big, big game to Rashad Penny, who had a big, big night rushing for the Seattle Seahawks in the uh, the Motor City last week. This, to me, is a game, one of the best games offensively for the New England Patriots because of how bad that Lions defense is. Okay, uh, uh, Hutchinson has, has not been... He has not lived up to the fact that I thought he should be the number one pick last year or this year in the draft. He struggled at times. This Lions defense as a whole has been bad. Likewise, the Patriots offense has been bad. By the way, they're bringing out those really cool throwback uniforms. The red throwbacks, the white helmets, like them. But sorry, Belichick. Sorry, Patriots. I know, I hope this game doesn't come down to strategy because I'm obviously going to go with Belichick over the 
kneecap biter himself. But I'm going to go with the Lions to win this game. I said that they would go 6-11 and 11 go, uh, in this season. They win the six games. Most of their 11 losses would be close. I got the Lions winning their second game of the year, going to Foxborough, beating the Patriots 34-27. to 27. I'm a little surprised the Patriots are three-point favorites in this game. Whatever, they could win this one, but I'm going to take the Lions to win at 34-27 to 27 behind the arm of Jared Goff and the legs of DeAndre Swift. Moving on now to an NFC matchup, Seattle Seahawks, New Orleans Saints. Did we ever think Seattle a month into the season would have a better record than New Orleans? Here you go. Andy Dalton's going to start his second straight game in a Saints uniform against a Seahawks team that's riding high. Seahawks country, let's ride. You know what I mean? Coming off that big win last week, again, aforementioned against the Detroit Lions. As for the Saints, they're coming off a heartbreaking loss in London to the Vikings on a double doink kick by Will Lutz, one of the best kickers in the NFL. Just couldn't make it happen. Um, the Saints are at home. They are five-and-a-half-point favorites in this matchup. Here's what I look at. Michael Thomas is gone for the Saints. That's a big loss. Mike, Michael Thomas has played pretty well for him. Chris Olave, though, has been special. I told y'all, Chris, I, I, I don't know if he's the front-runner today for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but my, oh my, he's looked good. This is his opportunity. This is his breakout moment against a Seahawks secondary that is flat out bad. We, we saw what they gave up last week against Detroit. Even despite some of the injuries Detroit had to their receiving core, this feels like a game where Andy Dalton has one of those throwback Cincinnati Andy Dalton type games. And this is Chris Olave's moment to show up and to truly show out. Give me the New Orleans Saints, not to cover. I trust Pete Carroll too much. Give me the New Orleans Saints to win this game, though, outright 27-24 to over the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Olave has two tutties, as Brady and Gronk would say. Give me the Saints to win this one 27-24 at home to get their season back on track. It's not over yet against the Detroit. I'm sorry, against the Seattle Seahawks. We are now moving on to my upset of the week. Give me the New York Jets. To beat the Miami Dolphins 29-24, to and here is why. You've got a 3-1 and team, Miami 2-2 and team with the Jets, okay? Jets coming off of a big, big win on the road at Heinz Field. Zach Wilson, for all my criticism of him, he's too loosey-goosey with the football for my taste, but those last two drives in the fourth quarter, especially that last drive at the end, to drive them all the way down the field to beat the Steelers, highly, highly impressive. Robert Sala is doing a very good job with this defense. Sauce Gardner has been... As good as advertised coming out of the draft, this Jets team is crazy talented. They're flying high, no pun intended, off of that win in Pittsburgh. As for the Dolphins, could their morale be any lower? Could the morale of a 3-1 and one team in general be any lower? Because all that's been in the news about the Dolphins the last week and a half is about the Tua issue. They're being investigated. You got the concussion. When is he coming back? Is he coming back? You know, should they have put him on injured reserve? Teddy Bridgewater played okay, but was a little clunky in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati. The Dolphins' defense got shredded in the fourth quarter by Joe Burrow and that great Saint. I'm sorry, that great Bengals receiving unit, mostly led by T. Higgins and Jamar Chase had that big catch late. I get that they've had extra time to prepare for the Jets, but on the road again, the Jets have yet to win a home game yet. They play great on the road, awful at home. It feels like the Jets playing well. Feels like they're kind of due for that big home performance. Again, I'll say it again. I think they upset the Dolphins at home. Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. Not only do I take the Jets in the points, I got the Jets winning this game straight up, outright, over the Dolphins 
New York wins it 29-24. to And if I'm not mistaken, that would put them, if the Bills win at second in the AFC East. How about that? Did we ever think that the Jets would be in that position early on in the season? Another divisional matchup, but this time in the NFC. You got the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, Atlanta coming off a big win against Cleveland last week. Tampa Bay, two straight losses uh, against the Packers at home and against the Chiefs at home. So, again, it's, the, the Bucks are kind of the same as the Jets, right? They played it great, or at least in terms of the win column. They've won two on the on the road. They've lost two at home. Thing for Tampa is this, okay? I got two Tom Brady stats that made this game pretty easy to predict, other than the fact the Bucks are 10-point favorites. Tom Brady has not lost three straight games since 2002. He is also 10-0 against the Atlanta Falcons, including, sorry Falcons fans, cover your ears, that 28-3 comeback, of course, that we all remember. The Falcons' secondary, again, is garbage. It's awful. Okay, Jacoby Brissett, he deserves a lot of blame for not exposing it with some of the weapons he has in Cleveland. As for the Bucks. Mike Evans was great last week against Kansas City. Is, does Godwin, is, able, is he able to give you the impact that you hope he can give you? Is Julio Jones able to do the same? Cameron Bray is out, with this, out for this game with a concussion. So that security blanket is not going to be there for Tampa. But I think they're going to throw a party. They're going to get back on track. They need this game. They're going to beat the Falcons 34-20. to I do think they cover the 10-point spread over the Falcons simply because Tom Brady is the co-owner along with Arthur Blank of the Atlanta Falcons. At least his record shows that, 10-0. and And again, he has not lost two straight games, three straight games, rather, in 20 years. Why on earth would it start now? And why on earth of all teams would it start, with all due respect, although there's not much of it, to the Atlanta Falcons? Bucks win this one, get back to their winning ways. Moving on now to the Tennessee Titans going to our nation's capital to take on the Washington Commanders. In this game, Tennessee is a two-point favorite. I kind of buried the Titans as... I wouldn't say done, but playoff chances slim. Two games of the year because they had that last-second loss to the Giants at home, and then they got absolutely abused by the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. But they've since turned their season around, right? They got a big win over the Raiders. It was a little, you know, it was last second. Derek Carr made some plays late, but they survived the Raiders at home in Nashville. And then last week, a big road win over the division rival Indianapolis Colts. Derek Henry had a big, big afternoon. And coming in this game against Washington, what is Washington bad at? There's two things. Stopping the run, and more than anything, their offensive line, it's it's competing with Cincinnati for the worst in the NFL. I've been a big critic of Carson Wentz. I can't be brutal on him this, this season right now. Because the second he's taking the snap, as, second, as soon as that ball hits his hands, somebody's in his face. We saw it last week against Dallas. We saw it occasionally against the Jags. You know, it's it's with the Eagles, we saw a lot in the first half. He was sacked six times in that first half against Philadelphia. I have a feeling that this could be a lot of struggles for Washington. The only thing for me, Tennessee has struggled to close some of these games late. The Colts made a rally on Sunday. The Raiders made a big rally the week prior. They've struggled at times, and they, you know, they lost that game against the Giants in week one because they couldn't close a double-digit lead. 
So with that said, though, I don't think they, I'm sorry, I do think they cover. I think they win this game 20 to 17. They barely cover. They beat the Washington Commanders 20 to 17. A little bit of an ugly game. Tennessee's defense has come on as of late. Tennessee beats Washington by a final score of 20 to 17, and they cover that two and a half point spread right there. Moving on to another divisional matchup. You got the Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags are favored minus seven in this game. Houston still the only winless team in the NFL. Uh, th th this was a pretty easy one to predict, right? He's got Davis Mills, I think, is pretty good. Like, you guys know, I, I really like Davis Mills coming out of college. I think he's done the best that a guy can do given the situation in Houston. But that defense, it's had its moments here and there. Yeah, the Texans made that rally, made it close, made it interesting against the Chargers last week, but ultimately couldn't finish it. As for Jacksonville, they're sitting there at 2-2. Two and two. They've had a couple of interesting, uh, I should say, impressive wins. But last week, build that double-digit lead up 14 the Eagles. And then the better team showed up. The Eagles ended up winning that game in sloppy weather. So in Jacksonville, divisional matchup. Bad blood between these two teams because they play twice a year. I'm going to take the Jaguars to win this one on the arm of Trevor Lawrence. I think he has a big afternoon. They win 28-12. to the, the Texans continue to stay winless. Give me the Jaguars in the last game I'm predicting in this early window over the Houston Texans. Into the afternoon window. You got the San Francisco 49ers coming to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Niners are favored minus six on the road, and they absolutely should. I'm surprised that this line was a little bit bigger than it was. Because, folks, two reasons. Number one, what do the 49ers do well? The two things they do very well, very old school. They've got one of the best running games in the NFL. The Panthers are one of the bottom ten teams in stopping the run. So this feels like a sort of Jimmy G don't get in the way game if you're the Niners. Stick with the run. Debo Samuel's going to do his thing because he's Debo Samuel. He did his thing last week on Monday night against the Rams. And as for the Niners defense, in terms of scoring defense, it's putting up numbers similar to that of the 2000 Ravens. Nick Bosa's leading the league in sacks. Their back end of their defense, which I thought was their weakness, has ended up being a little bit of a strength. And against Baker Mayfield, guy who turns the ball over like, like he gets paid to do it, this could be a long afternoon. And I think it will be a long afternoon for the Carolina Panthers. Just look at the, how the Cardinals last week in the fourth quarter just blew the game open. Baker's missing throws, this and that. He's not moving in the pocket well. He's turned the ball over. I think it's going to be the biggest blowout of the weekend. Give me the 49ers to win this game easily over the Carolina Panthers, 38-14. to 14. I probably should have made this if I were a bet man, but I didn't. It's a little bit too big of a blowout to really pop my chest out and say if I were a bet man. But give me the 49ers to win this game over the Carolina Panthers, 38-14. to 14. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bet. It's the one pick per week that I have absolutely zero confidence in whatsoever. We all those picks, folks. Like We, we, we all those games. We just don't feel that good about it. And this is mine. This is the one I've kind of wavered on all week, but back and forth. It is America's Game of the Week on Fox. Whole country's going to be watching America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, coming into L.A. to take on the defending champion, Los Angeles Rams. The line has went up from 4.5 to 5.5. It currently, as we speak, sits at 5. The, be the, the betting guys and gals in Vegas like Dallas. You know, a lot of people are jumping on that like, hey, give me Dallas and the points, right? The way they've been playing, 
the way that has as efficient as that offense has been, you know, in this three-game winning streak, they have one turnover, that being by Dalton Schultz in that Bengals game. And obviously, the story of the year for the Cowboys has been their defense. Micah Parsons is doing Micah Parsons things. We know what he represents. That defensive line, Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Odigi Zua, Gallimore, getting to the quarterback, and Trayvon Diggs. Folks, I was brutal on him all offseason. I know he didn't listen to me because why? if you're an NFL player, why would you listen to the outside noise? But Trayvon Diggs has improved drastically as a cover corner from last year to this year. He's still that same ball hawk guy. Had that interception last week against Carson Wentz. But as a cover corner, he can flat out shut you down. Right now, today, Trayvon Diggs is playing like the best corner in the NFL. You got a Rams team now that's coming in, and and, and the embarrassment factor means a lot. They got embarrassed on national TV in front of millions of people twice in a month. Opening night against the Bills at home, and then against their division rivals, the team that they flat out hate. Ask any player in the Rams. They will tell you out front they hate the 49ers. And they got smoked by them. Matt Stafford, awful. It feels like he has become a little Russell Wilson-esque, right? Being a little bit of a one-read quarterback. If number 10's not open, Cooper Cup, it kind of all falls apart from there. They've struggled at times in running the ball. That offensive line has not been good. They got yet another injury to that O-line. They're, they're on their third-string center now. That note-boom kid at left tackle has struggled against a great Dallas defensive line. Here's what decides it for me. The Rams are going to make Cooper Rush beat them. Because they're going to say, okay, fine. We're going to take Ezekiel Elliott and we're going to take Tony Pollard away from him. They're, they're not going to have, you know, Zeke's not going to have these, these efficient four or five yard carries throughout the game. Tony Pollard's not going to have a couple of runs where he breaks it out the gate. You know, like the, the occasional nine yard run or 25 yard run. We're not giving you that. Cooper Rush, can you beat us from the pocket? Are you able to, or can, can you move around well, be comfortable? Can you get the ball officially to CeeDee Lamb, to Noah Brown, okay, to, to Michael Gallup? Can you do that? Can you work with some of the below-average tight ends that you have? And to me, the answer is no. I think it is an ugly game. I think, I tell you, some of these national TV games, man, they have not lived up to par a month into the NFL season. But when it is all said and done, America's Game of the Week featuring America's team in Los Angeles against the champs. By the way, that is going to be a Cowboy home game because I told y'all yesterday, there's more Cowboy fans in LA than there are Rams fans. Don't believe me? Look at the Los Angeles Rams Championship Parade. It was pitiful. Give me the Rams to not cover. They won't cover that five-point spread, but they will beat the Dallas Cowboys outright 19-16. to 16. Okay, the Cowboys have yet to allow an opponent to go over 20 points. I think that continues. The defense shows up and shows out once again, as it has to the first four games. But the Rams will win it, ultimately, 19-16. to 16. And they will end Cooper Rush's record, uh, or undefeated record, as a quarterback in the National Football League. couple more games to go. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Eagles, the last undefeated team in the NFL, left remaining after the first month. They are five-point favorites on the road in Arizona, where the Super Bowl is going to be. And certainly, the Eagles hope this isn't their last game on the road in Arizona. So, thing with the Cardinals has been this. 
They've obviously struggled in regards to injuries on both sides of the ball in regards to the, the suspension to DeAndre Hopkins. Hollywood Brown has been a big, big pickup for them. If not for them acquiring him in that trade during the draft, they'd be in a really, really bad shape. Okay, Kyla Murray has been a roller coaster through the first four games. There's games like against the, the Raiders where like, he's the greatest thing we've ever seen. And then there's games against the Rams where like, what is this guy doing? He's he is it's he's a roller coaster. He's so talented, but then he has those moments like, oh, what? How, how do the Cardinals pay this guy forty six million dollars a year? So you're gonna have those ebbs and flows, those up and downs with him. Whereas Jalen Hurts, though not as talented as Kyler, doesn't give you that. He's steady as a leader, as a runner of the football. He has improved tremendously in my eyes as, as a passer. I still need to see a little bit more from him in the deep ball area because that's kind of my biggest criticism of him coming into this year especially after the way he played in that playoff loss to Tampa the Eagles to me are tied with the Niners for right now the best teams in the NFC I think they will come on the road to Arizona against a bad secondary the Cardinals have an awful secondary Baker Mayfield just wasn't able to expose that because he's Baker Mayfield and that Matt Rule is clueless offensively the Eagles are not exactly that they're going to have a party in Arizona over the Cardinals they're going to win this game 35 to 20 over Arizona, they'll definitely cover that five-point spread. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Arizona Cardinals 35-20. to 20. And so our last game remaining, you might have noticed there's not that one segment that I love to do, that soundbite that I love to play. You know what time it is. We're a betting man. We're a betting man. I'm looking at this Sunday night game, a divisional matchup, between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. In this game, Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It is close to being a pick'em. Here's what I look at. Lamar Jackson has been remarkable through the first month of the season. He is still very much, despite that bad interception against the Buffalo Bills last week, make no mistake about it, he's still absolutely in that MVP race. Baltimore's biggest issue has been closing close games at home, hanging on to big leads at home, and number one overall, that secondary has been awful. No team in the NFL is giving up more passing yards than the Ravens. No team in the NFL. So when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals coming in this game, off of a weekend of rest, Joe Burrow has played very well the last couple of games against the Jets and then against the Dolphins, particularly in the fourth quarter. Jamar Chase got up to a little bit of a slow start this year, but this is the game where he can go off. Remember that play he made last year in Baltimore where it was a simple little slant route? He had two Ravens were right there to tackle him, and he broke free and took it like 60-something yards for a touchdown. Joe Burrow last year shredded this Baltimore defense. I think he actually had a 500-yard passing game in Cincinnati when the last time they played the Ravens. So when you have two of through for six touchdowns against Baltimore, when you have Josh Allen doing what he did in the fourth quarter, then not being able to close the game, now you got Burrow with that receiving unit coming in, with the Ravens at times struggling to get to the quarterback, with the Bengals' offensive line feeling like they may have some life. If I were a betting man, give me the Bengals plus three and a half. They beat the Ravens 38-27. to Give me the Bengals and the points and the outright win. All day, every day. You know I love Lamar Jackson. You know I think the Ravens are ultimately going to win this division. The football is a game of matchups. And the matchup, the important one I should say, 
significantly favors the Cincinnati Bengals. Lamar will do his thing. The Ravens, Ravens offense will do their thing. But ultimately, Burrow, Chase, Higgins, and company, Hurst, they'll do their thing. They will represent the name of, of my show very well. They will carve up the Ravens defense as Tua did, as Josh Allen did. At, at times, up until the interceptions, Mac Jones did. Give me the Bengals. If I were a bet, man, I am taking the Bengals plus three and a half. They beat the Ravens in this game 38 to 27. Got some big matchups, folks. Some big, big matchups. Let's see. But what's interesting about this one, though, is you've got all of these, you've got all these issues with, with Baltimore secondary. You had the defensive coordinator leave go to the New York Giants. Are you able to clean that up? With this new coordinator. Again, the, the last guy who went to, to the Giants does a great job over there. A lot of people said he kind of rubbed people the wrong way, this, that, and the other. Maybe that has something to do with his firing. I'm not sure. What I do know is, despite some of the talent that's on this Ravens secondary, man, it's bad. Not to say that Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh don't deserve some blame, especially for, that, for last week's game against um, the Buffalo Bills. You got to clean some of that stuff up. But it's going to be a exciting week four, week four, week five in the NFL. And in the Monday night game, Raiders Chiefs. Oh, wow. We got the Chiefs against the Raiders. This is a big one. It's a division matchup. Chiefs are favored minus seven. I'll predict that game on Monday, of course. And of course, react to all the stuff going on in the NFL today. But let's go Vols. Let's take care of business against LSU. That game scares me a little bit, especially, you know, I talked about with the Bills. This could be like a, a dangerous look ahead game to Kansas City next week being huge favorites over the Buffalo Bill, I'm sorry, over the Pittsburgh Steelers. My balls. This feels like a little, now it's a good thing they're going into Death Valley because that place will make sure you're ready without a question. Though That's, you know, great fan base in Louisiana. But you, you got to, got to be ready to play. Got to be ready to take care of business against the LSU Tigers before we move on to, without question, the test of the year in our building, in Neyland Stadium, against the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number one ranked team in the country. Some great college football, some great NFL football, some great playoff baseball going on right now. Is that Blue Jays-Mariners game over? Is it over? It is. Okay, Mariners, yeah, they took care of business, beat the Blue Jays 4 to nothing, and so they'll look to close out that best-of-three series tomorrow. I had the Mariners winning uh, 2-1, so I guess I'll have to pick the Jays to win tomorrow. Uh, you got Padres-Mets coming on in about 30 minutes. Listen, October is the best month in sports. You got baseball, we got football, we got basketball. College pro, it don't matter. We got it all. For you hockey fans, we got hockey coming back. You know, it's that's 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 the fun. Uh, that's what that's the fun aspect of it. So that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Be sure to also catch the Carving It Up podcast on the Grid Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all over the place. Check it out. And subscribe. Hit that. Well, obviously, like, share, comment, of course, as it says on the screen right over there. Like, share, comment. And be sure to take two seconds out of your day. Not even that. Hit that big red subscribe button. Do that on my show, Carving It Up Podcast, and on the Grid Network. The Grid Network, G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network. You see the logo uh, right up there. On my show, I'm wearing the grid hat. So, and speaking of this hat, speaking of the grid as a whole, check out the Carving It Up merch. 
Okay, I'm putting that. I'm putting the links to that stuff on my social media. It's already on my Instagram. I'll put it on Twitter and on other platforms. So be sure to go check that stuff out and, and rep the show, rep the brand, carving it up live. We appreciate it greatly. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there. Enjoy you some football. God bless you all. Peace out. Let's go, balls. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.